When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just like that, the final hour is here. Glad you're with us for Outkick 360. Happy Friday to you. Happy St. Paddy's Day. Happy March Madness. All the games. Day one was awesome. Today, great competition as well. Haven't seen the massive upset yet. Kennesaw State nearly did that against Xavier. Another three seed nearly sent packing. Instead, Xavier turned it on with the final five-minute play and... They closed it out. They won by five today over Kennesaw State. We have one of the Cinderella's and the big storylines, J.P. Pegese, who hit the three, Chad, um, to send Furman past Virginia. He will join us coming up in about 20 minutes. And great recall by you. Uh, He's a a player that you had the chance to to cover here in the the mid-state area of Tennessee. Called one of his games on TV when he played against Brandon Miller two years ago. Hillsborough High School versus Cane Ridge High School yeah. in the regional tournament at Hillsborough High School. And uh, J.P. Pegese squared up against Brandon Miller. And now J.P. Pegese hits the shot of March so far. The shot yeah. of the NCAA tournament. We'll have the man who hit the shot coming up in about 20 minutes. So we're excited about that. J.P., a Nashville kid at Furman, will join us at 420. There's all these great stories that come out of media availability and the build-up to games. Well, now they're having uh, media with Duke and Tennessee leading up to tomorrow's game yep. in the second round. This is really good from Joe Rexroad. So Rick Barnes and John Shire had different you know, media availability, but Rick Barnes, during his time talking, said that he got John Shire to take a visit to Texas during his recruitment wow. before he went to Duke. Wow. Said his sister was a student <laughs> at Texas at the time, though she wasn't sure if she wanted her little brother tagging along. Um, John Shire was then asked about this and said, that's all true. And he said, quote, if I knew Durant was going to go there, I probably would have looked a little harder at him. (laughs) Pretty good line from John Shire about being recruited by Rick Barnes, who now he'll coach against in the second round on Saturday. Isn't that a low line when you see the matchup right now? Based on where Tennessee is seated and viewed from the public stance versus Duke coming into the tournament, yeah, Vegas I though feel that has way. Vegas has all this season really valued Tennessee heavy because of their defense because yeah. they can muddy games. And it started up. at two and a half; it's now three and a half. Yeah, I just think Duke is playing so great and yeah. they can score in so many different ways. I just with Tennessee, you're kind of, I mean, when you're looking at scoring, it's well, you know, you hope guys are hitting deep threes. You know, or something's going on. It's kind of like North Carolina a year ago hitting those tough shots. Yeah. We talked about with Brandon Wright. I think Tennessee's going to have to do a lot of that tomorrow to win. They're capable. They've got guys. I mean, uh, Josiah Jordan-James can get hot from three. Certainly, Vescovy's capable of knocking down some threes. The big thing with Tennessee from last night, they survived in advance. They got nothing from their seniors. Nothing. Vescovy hit one three. He had three points. That's their leading score in a senior. Got in foul trouble early. Josiah Jordan-James did very little. Jemai Meshack, the sophomore, carried them, I thought, in parts of that game. So 
look, that's a negative for that game. That's a positive moving forward. If you can get anything from those guys or what you should, yeah. maybe you're going to have a better maybe, chance to beat good teams. Yeah, maybe you can lock in yeah. and, and go on a nice little run in-game against the Blue Devils. Chad, we've got some final scores uh, from earlier today, and it, we'll go in reverse order from the games that just went final. Marquette, they win over Vermont, so the two-seed Marquette, they advance 78-61 over Vermont. We have Baylor advancing as well, 74-56 the final against UC Santa Barbara. Xavier, as mentioned, they survive. They get 36 points in the second half, same as the first half. They close it out strong. 72-67. It's St. Mary's 63, VCU 51. And the game that tipped off all the action for day number two, Michigan State wins over USC 72-62. to We have three games in progress. And with more, here's Davey Hudson. Thanks. So. Yeah, the final three games of the early slate. Um, this one, I know a lot of people are probably shocked if you look at the score now, but just getting the second half underway. But Iowa State is making a comeback against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh only has a seven-point lead now. They're up 32-25 to over the Cyclones. If we go over, uh, we are currently at halftime for the other 11-6 matchup where NC State trails Creighton 28-26. And then the other one, guys, you were mentioning Rick Pitino earlier. Well, right now they're just about to hit the under 12 in the first half. Iona up 19-17 to over the fourth-seeded UConn Huskies. Still to come, Purdue and Fairley Dickinson followed by Kentucky and Providence. That will tip off the evening slate at 6-10. And we will see the Wildcats under some pressure after being bounced a year ago by St. Peter's. If you're looking for that bracket-busting scenario, I think it's old Ricky P and Iona over UConn because that's a team I think a lot of people will have going relatively yes. far. And so the winner of Iona UConn takes on St. Mary's. Yep. And then Kansas and Arkansas will play tomorrow and they'll advance in that bracket. So then you'll have um, St. Mary's and Iona or UConn taking on Kansas or Arkansas moving forward. You're, you're right there. Um, and then just looking around some of the brackets, Chad, uh, Michigan State and Marquette. That's a matchup coming up on Sunday. Let's see. Uh, Memphis is still to play. I'm really intrigued by the Memphis Tigers and, and what Penny Hardaway can do. And can they go on a nice run where they're going to be facing Purdue coming up tomorrow? Yeah, and you got some really good games tonight. I think Kentucky Providence has a chance to be really good. Uh, Miami Drake, popular 12 over 5 upset pick with Drake and Miami coming up tonight. Some really good games still left on the slate. And, and Miami and, Drake will take on Indiana and Kent State, I believe, the winner of that game. Yes, that is correct. Indiana-Kent State tonight also. Some really good games. The, the second-round games that we're already you know, seeing, Duke and Tennessee is going to be in one of those exclusive windows yep. at 2.40 Eastern time on CBS where there's no other game that starts. While it's going on, the other exclusive window game is the early game. And um, I'm trying to find who that's – that's with. San Diego State and Furman. Thank you. That's yeah, I, I, knew, I knew it was a game where I was thinking, man, that's odd that they went with those two teams in that exclusive window, but they went with the two underdogs. So well, the, not San Diego State not being underdog, but Furman being a big-time story. So the, the, the slate early tomorrow, San Diego State, Furman at 12-10. You have uh, Tennessee and Duke at 240. Kansas and Arkansas in the night slate at 515. And then you start to see the – uh, mix and match with all the different networks. So what I just mentioned was on CBS. Then you start to pair off and go TNT, TBS, and CBS. Um, Missouri, Princeton, Houston, Auburn, 
Texas, Penn State, UCLA, Northwestern, and Alabama and Maryland. Alabama, Maryland is the final game of the night. That game is on TBS at 940, um, the nightcap for day three of the tournament for the right to go to the Sweet 16. And look, they've got Princeton in front of them who just knocked off Arizona, so not going to be easy. But what a first year for Dennis Gates. He's got Princeton yeah. in the way between him and the Sweet 16. In year number one in Missouri, a program that's not had any recent success. And it, the, I think the underrated game, on, and you pointed this out, Chad, and, and I started thinking about it, you're, you're right. Auburn comes into this tournament as a nine seed. And if you think about where they were preseason with the expectation in the SEC with Bruce Pearl, they're a win away over Houston, and they're very capable. Well, they're banged a up away, Houston. Yeah, right. And, and they're capable of winning the game from going to the Sweet 16. And Pearl salvages this season with really no expectation going into the tournament, honestly. They needed to win late to get in. They did. But now they have a chance to take, off the, to take out the number one seed in front of them. And it's a favorable after that. Yeah, you can play. Um, you can only play who's in front of you. Very, very fortunate. After no, that, like to get in a number that bracket, one seed that's this damaged. They're getting Drake or Indiana. Um, and just looking ahead, Pitt or possibly Texas or Penn State. Yes, I'll also say it's going to take an otherworldly performance for them to truly string that many wins together. Oh, for this reason, yeah. they're not a good three-point shooting team. Unlike a lot of Bruce Pearl teams, this is not a great three-point shooting team. They got hot last night against Iowa for a long stretch in the second half. Iowa, they were down 17, I think, and went on a run and made it interesting late. But that is not, uh, not a great three-point shooting team. So I think they can beat Houston. I don't know that they're going to continue to win after that. I'm intrigued by Arkansas, too, with two lottery picks on the roster. If it's just based on sheer talent, watch out as Arkansas takes on Kansas. I saw someone pose the question last night watching Iowa that was interesting. They said, is there any school in football and men's basketball that have two coaches that are just good enough to never really question whether or not they should be fired? But I think the way the question was posed was, but are also the worst hangs in the world. Like these are two programs that are just not great hangs when you watch them. You don't love them at any time, <laughs> but they're good enough to skate by, to make some tournaments, but good not enough win to the make tournament, you feel good. To win eight games, you know, in the Big Ten, but not really go bigger than that. Good enough to let you know it could be a lot worse. Yeah, and just what do you want at Iowa, right? Like, is it ever going to be? Let's take the next step, or no. I don't think it will be. I don't either. I think those guys are lifers. Certainly, Kirk Ferentz is a lifer. But anyway, that's one question that was posed last night that really had me thinking about watching Iowa lose to Auburn. Who would be number two on that list? Would it be something like, well, there's no other lifers really in college football other than, and if you start thinking about the, the teams that win, I mean, there's no debate that it would be Saban and Dabo, right? You th think about the guys who have been there for a while. Um, yeah, not to that level where it's not it's consistent, but just not consistent enough. But I mean, you think of Iowa, you think you know, pretty good basketball program that there's certainly that has kind of a brand to it. In 13 years under Fran, they've not gone to a Sweet 16. So think yeah. about that. Not one. They've been bounced in the first or second round every year he's been there. Not every year they're going to the tournament, but when they've been to the tournament. NC State now takes the lead over Creighton. It's by five, 37-32 with 16 minutes remaining in the second half. UConn now but back up on Iona, 23-19.
nine minutes remaining in the first half. And it's Pitt over Iowa State by 11-36-25. That game about five minutes into the second half. Chad, just glancing at the free agent moves. Of course, Geno Smith is staying in Seattle. Uh, we know Carolina has moved up to the number one overall pick. And, you know, you've got a lot of movement, but is it great movement? Probably not. Uh, taking a look at the NFC quarterbacks and how things shake up. At the top of the conference, Dak Prescott, Daniel Jones, and Jalen Hurts. And we should mention Jalen Hurts first, honestly, in this list, uh, followed by Sam Howell, who currently is the starter. They have also signed Jacoby Brissett in Washington. Um, out of the NFC South, Desmond Ritter, Andy Dalton, Derek Carr, and Baker Mayfield. <laughs> You've got the NFC West with Kyler Murray, Matthew Stafford, Brock Purdy, and Geno Smith. And then the North, Justin Fields, Jared Goff, Jordan Love, and Kirk Cousins. Now, comparing that to the AFC, that will eventually add Aaron Rodgers to the pack of quarterbacks that include Burrow, Mahomes, Allen, Jackson, um, Herbert, and others. Tua, there are the haves and the have-nots. And man, it is, a, it is a treacherous path out of the AFC compared to the quarterbacks that you have to face on a regular basis in the NFC. I'm just trying to even order this. So put that graphic back up on It's the just screen. an order of conference. No, of, I, of I understand that. I'm saying mentally I'm trying to order myself and oh. get to – when you get to five, how bad it is. <laughs> okay. So Jalen Hurts is one okay. to me. Matthew yeah. Stafford's two. Injury-wise, you don't know where he is right now, but he's a Super Bowl-winning quarterback okay. that can get the uh, okay. job done. Yeah. Okay, if you're telling me he's healthy to start week one, yes, he's yeah. two. Yeah. I mean, I think it's either Dak Prescott or Kirk Cousins next on the list. Kirk Cousins is the most disrespected quarterback based on stats in the NFL right now. Yeah. You put his stats up against Lamar Jackson, for instance. He dominates him. But everyone just says, well, he's got Justin Jefferson. right? He's the one who benefits the most from the receiver that he has. Um, not yeah. that I think Kirk Cousins is elite or anything. I know, yeah. But he's probably top three or four in the NFC. In terms of quarterbacks so, on this list. Uh, um, so you, you say it's Dak Prescott or Kirk Cousins. I'm taking Prescott ahead of him. Let's just say, let's just say of the, uh, I'm going to say a top four in any order. Uh, Jalen Hurts was one to me, but Hurts, Stafford, Cousins, Prescott. See, I think, and then Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr would be just a, around the same area. And then as how Prescott. do you order Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones? Because then after that, I think you go down. Jared Goff had a good year, mm -hmm. but Jared Goff's so probably in that Jones. discussion. Yeah. Daniel And Jared Goff has actually played in a Super Bowl. I just think after four, maybe five. Where's Geno Smith in this? It gets really Geno tough. Geno Smith is making $53 million in 2023. 53 million. I will be million. convinced Geno Smith is not a one-hit wonder when he makes his second hit. Let's put it that Seattle way. Seattle is trying to bridge one more year with this. If he does it again... He's top five on this list. If he doesn't, again, now, I, will, I will be convinced he is a one-hit wonder until album number two comes out, and he's got, a, he's got a banger on it. So right now in San Francisco, Trey Lance, Sam Darnold, and Brock Purdy. And yeah, you Brock have a seventh-round like, pick. Brock Purdy's sixth on this list right now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Justin Fields. Justin Fields. He, he, he owns the it's individual record for rushing for a quarterback. It's bad. It's and, bad. If and, you are in the AFC and you're wanting to avoid competition and you're a quarterback, you want to go into the NFC right now. That's what we're telling you. With this list, with these faces, 
you're wanting to go to that conference and away from the AFC, well, if given then, the chance. But also think about the, the movement we could see in the draft. We're going to see Carolina take a quarterback, but then the others that are being mentioned right now are in the AFC. Houston, Indianapolis, possibly Las Vegas. Uh, who else could move up? Tampa Bay could certainly use a nice boost. Baker Mayfield signed there, but he signed there because he has a chance to compete for a starting role in week one. Beyond that, tough to say as far as quarterbacks and uh, in the draft where you have NFC teams that would be on the move. I don't know why, based on this, if you're the Atlanta Falcons, why you have not tried in a, a more you know, strategic manner than what they've done. They've gone, they've gone heavy on the offensive line. They needed to do that in free agency. They've done a nice job in free agency, but they didn't go after Lamar Jackson, and I'm stunned by that, honestly, Chad. Based on the offense that Arthur Smith runs, they bring in Jonu Smith. They already have Kyle Pitts. They have weapons on the outside uh, with London and others at wide receiver, and you have a chance to at least make a bid on a former MVP from 2019 who has no blemishes off the field, a year and a half after you were all in on Deshaun Watson. Stunned by that. And especially when you compare it to the list that they're looking at, where quarterbacks matter. And right now, there aren't many good ones in the NFC. You know, it's really stunning uh, that the Mets lost their closer to a celebration in the World Baseball Classic. I mean, this is it. it does I know? This it, I know it was celebration after is... the celebration after um, you know he after the victory, celebration or not. This is the reason why we're not going to see great pitching uh, from the MLB. I don't think you should here. see great players in it. I mean, look, if I'm a major league baseball, I mean, I'm glad that players want to participate for their countries. Okay, I'm never going to hold that against the player. Uh, Olympics, World Baseball Classic, whatever. Yeah. But if I am the club. I don't want a single guy right. participating in this. And I point to this right here. Edwin Diaz celebrating a strikeout to end a game, and he tears his patellar tendon in doing so. And it's going to be lost for a significant amount of time after signing the richest contract ever for a closer. Five years, $102 million. Now, they're, they're insured. I think it's $18.3 million this year he's due to make. And I saw that with Major League Baseball insurance, because of this injury, the Mets will get that money back. Think about the even insurance he's that being Cohen paid. has on this yeah. roster, the $500 million oh, it's, roster. It's, it's a lot. You're, you're paying a high premium. Chances are they've got a player that can be okay in the closing role. May not be Diaz, but they have a payroll that would be able to find that. It's just crazy. I mean, it's just the, to watch that injury, and I, I've watched it over and over again. I've seen the like spotlight close-up yeah. of when his leg gives out and how he tries to walk and then can't put any pressure on it. And I'm thinking, this is exactly why clubs will never want their guys playing in anything. And if I'm paying a guy $102 million, I, I want him sitting in bubble wrap other than whatever workout is approved by the club yep. throughout the year. I mean, I don't want you doing anything. I don't want you playing... Pick up basketball with your nine-year-old kid in the backyard. We've seen plenty of examples of crazy baseball injuries that aren't baseball-related. Sammy Snow Sosa sneezed it, and tore something in his back yeah, at one point. His back or we had uh, pitchers that were missing time because they were playing with their kids, and they had a dislocated kneecap doing so. We've had all these crazy things. I don't want you doing anything but sitting on a couch and working out 
when and how I tell you to work yeah. out for the season. Sit there like Bartolo Colon would sit there. And that's it. Yeah, I want you getting fat. No, I don't want that. Not the Bartolo Colon okay, plan, okay. but more of like the Justin Verlander plan, right? <laughs> I want more of that. Yeah. Uh, coming up, Chad, what are the Cinderella's? Already is Furman. They'll be playing tomorrow, and we have the star from round one coming up. J.P. Pagese hit the three. He joins us next in Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Clark in a straight J.P. Pagese with the three with 2.4 seconds left. It lifts Furman over Virginia, and it gave Furman their first NCAA tournament victory since 1974. And we have our Cinderella story. Outkick 360's been behind Furman. We put it on paper. We've got them in the Sweet 16. They play for the right to go to the Sweet 16 coming up tomorrow. And J.P. Pagese joins us on Outkick 360 from Orlando. J.P., thank you for the time, man. Congrats, and what's it feel like? Man, thank you guys for having me. Uh, it feels absolutely amazing. A dream come true. Something that I've been thinking about and only dreaming about since I was a kid, literally like eight years old almost. I can, that's probably the latest time that I, that I first started like thinking that, you know, basketball would be something serious for me. And this was only a dream. I'm just glad to be living in it. JP, it's amazing because I remember being a little kid and we had a basketball hoop in our front yard. And watching March Madness and seeing a shot like that, and you'd go outside and start practicing that shot. You'd be counted down your head. And, you know, in your head, you might have Kevin Harlan calling that that shot the way you actually had it. And to know that now that play that we just heard with Kevin Harlan on the play-by-play, that's going to be played for years to come. It's a national thing that you're going to see in montages of, of future tournaments. But in terms of Furman lore, you know, this is your school – 
J.P. Pegues is now the guy who hit the shot that buried Virginia. Have you let that sink in yet about what this means for Furman? Man, I'll tell you what. Um, probably for the first 12 to 15 hours, I mean, I was numb to the whole fact. I was just still trying to take it in. I never thought that, uh, you know, for me personally to be considered in something this big. Um, but just after, you know, having some time to celebrate with my team, with, with the coaches, with the family, all the firm supporters, um, I'm finally taking it in. You know, it's a, it's a surreal moment for me, and it's a, it's a surreal moment for Furman. So. Uh, we're based out of Nashville here where we're in our studio right now. You played at Hillsborough High School just a few miles down the road from our, our high school. I called a game of yours on television where you went head-to-head with Brandon Miller, who's now a star at, at Alabama. Um, the decision to go to Furman. I remember calling your game, and you were very competitive in that game. And I'm thinking, here we have Brandon Miller, who's the, maybe the number one recruit in the country, and this kid that's playing with him is going toe-to-toe and having a great game. He's going to Furman. Little did we know Furman was going to be a Cinderella story a couple years later. But why Furman when you were looking around and getting offers at a high school in Nashville? Um, honestly, I chose Furman because Furman was one of those places that was different from the rest. Um, just the culture of it. Uh, they treated you like family. They they showed they made trials a priority, and they uh you know they told me coming in that you know I was gonna have a chance to be a part of something special, and uh, it it eventually worked out for me. The the coaching staff was terrific. Um, the players they were very welcoming as soon as I got on the campus, and uh, you know to have a chance to make make some history for the program. You know that was passable. J.P. Pegui, our guest on Outkick 360, he hit the three that sends Furman to the next round over Virginia. They'll take on um, San Diego State coming up in uh, tomorrow. Curious here, J.P., uh, what's the phone been like? How many text messages did you have by the time you got back to the locker room? And uh, since then, what have the, what have the teammates said? What have your, what, what's the family said to you? Oh, man. Honestly, I'll say, you know, especially right after the game, my phone was 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 going so crazy that I didn't even have like the mental capacity to, to check it. I mean, it was more than I've ever seen. So, you know, but I will say that I more so favored just staying in the moment, not even being on my phone, just celebrating with, you know, the the Furman family, my my personal family. You know, this is a big accomplishment for both. Um you know, my family was super excited for me. My teammates were super excited. We were all excited because at the end of the day, you know, yeah, I did make the shot, but Furman's moving on and making more history in the round of 32 for a chance to go to Sweet 16. And um, I'm just, I'm super proud of this team, uh, myself, everything. Uh, and this, this is a, spe- this is definitely like a special, special occasion for us. And hopefully, you know, it'll be something to be coming on more often in the future. You weren't hitting many prior to that shot, were you, in that game? Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I believe, um, it was a stat that actually came out. Before that three, I had missed my last 15, 15 three-pointers uh, before that, which is, which is absolutely crazy. That's but nuts. I think that's, that's just, a, um, you know, that's just another, another case that shows my confidence and how much I believe in myself and how much I believe in this team. I read a story at The Athletic this morning. You shot – or you – your goal was to make 1,000 threes a day when you first got to Furman. Did I read that correctly? 
That sounded like a mispro when I saw make 1,000 Take threes or make. a day. Yeah, it was definitely make 1,000 threes coming wow. in, you know. I definitely wanted to uh, set a tone, set a tone for myself coming in my freshman year, set a tone for the guys. I want to show the guys and the coaching staff and the program that I, this is something that I'm really serious about and that, you know, I want to be able to come on this team and, and make an impact and almost immediately if possible. You know, I they had – um. We had two elite guards ahead of me, two fifth years. I didn't even know if I was going to play or how much I was going to play. But I just wanted to prove to the program that, you know, I- I'm here, that I'm forefirming, and I'm ready to make some history with you, with you guys. So take us through that final sequence because we're watching it here live, and when Clark throws the ball up, we're thinking, does he think that there's two seconds on the clock and he's trying to just – Run let the out. clock go and run it out and throw it in the air. Yeah. What was your vantage point of that play? Take us through everything defensively to where you guys quickly transition into offense and you bury that three. Yeah, so I know they had a uh, somewhat of a dead ball situation. They had to take it out. Um, we were in full full press press mode. You know, we had we knew we had to get some type of a steal or we we're going to have to foul. So uh, I think Beekman ended up catching it on the wing and he threw it right back to to Clark, who was kind of in like the the coffin corner, we like to call it. So uh, me and Alex Williams, we tried to get a good trap, and um, you know we could see it was kind of really really frustrating him. So I seen him lean back, and then out of nowhere he just flung it with one arm into the air, and uh, I didn't know who he was throwing it to, or I didn't see anything behind me, so I didn't really see what was going on. But when I turned around, I seen Garrett Heen jumping up in the air for the pass, and uh, as soon as I seen him about to catch it, I'm like. Yeah, we got a chance. So I started immediately kind of showing showing my hand for the ball. Garrett found me, and then the rest is history. You guys averaged 27 attempts per game, uh, maybe more now, after uh, yesterday's matchup. Describe the offense at Furman and uh, the overall idea behind taking as many threes as you can. Yeah, so, uh, you know, credit to, to Coach Richie. He has a really – great offensive scheme for us you know it's a very um it's the type of offense where you know it kind of gives us the freedom to be the, the type of versatile players that we are um you know freedom through movement through moving the ball uh kind of creating shots for others that's what we like to do here just unselfishly but um you know doing that it allows us to get you know the amount of threes that we get or the amount of wide open layups off cuts that we get we're a very unselfish team and we just want to make plays for one another and uh that's kind of what leads to some of the uh, great shots that we get. So tell us about San Diego State. I know it's a quick, uh, you know, uh, preparation and scout for your next opponent when you win in the NCAA tournament. What do you know about the Aztecs? What are you expecting to see tomorrow in this game? Uh, yeah, the Aztecs, they're a very, very good team. Uh, we got to see just a bit yesterday when they played College of Charleston. But uh, what we do know is that it's going to be a very physical game. They're a very physical team. They got – size they got skill they got guys they, they go to the, the glass relentlessly and uh you know they got some some really good playmakers uh they can shoot it they can drive it they're a really downhill team so uh i think just overall it'll be a very physical it'll be a 40 minute fight i think it would be a really good game between the two mid majors jp pagee has been our guest there had to be a moment where you you went to bed last night and you're laying there before you went to sleep and think is this a dream did that just happen uh you know, as you as you reset, there's got to be an energy drain to this too. I would imagine, uh, and you're trying to you know stay level for tomorrow's matchup. 
Yeah, most definitely. I mean, we got the best trainers in the country, and Justin <laughs> Gaines and, and and Coach Matt. So uh, they'll get, those guys will have us ready for tomorrow. We're just uh, making sure that we're we're mentally prepared, and and they'll do the, they'll help us do the rest physically. You've been watching all the games today in the room there in Orlando. What what's been the the time frame like? What's the schedule like now? Uh man, uh, it's the for as far as the games. I mean, we've just been watching all day. I think that's about winning yesterday. In my opinion, is that we yes we won, but we also get to uh, take a day to just enjoy it and flip the page. and also get to watch all the other teams play. In my opinion, I think um, the NCAA tournament is one of the greatest events in the world. I mean, so many people watch it. People people literally reschedule trips for this moment. Um, but just getting to enjoy and watch the game, that's something that's been good for me. Amen, JP. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much for uh, – I know you got a lot of texts, but thank you for answering mine and getting back with us and doing this. It's a real treat, especially for everyone back in your hometown of, of Nashville. Congratulations on all the success. Best of luck tomorrow. Man, thank you, guys. You know I couldn't pass up talking to my guys from my hometown. That's right. Thank no you doubt, so man. much, thank JP. You. Appreciate you. J, JP Pegee there. Uh, uh, He's a legend the, now. The, the, uh, the great moment. And here's the thing, Chad. Like, we're with, well, we'll follow them as long as they can make this run. But that play is going to be shown every round throughout the tournament. Yeah. He's, uh, like I said, legend, legendary night. status. And anyone who went to Furman ever is going to remember awesome. his name because yeah. that's the game. You know, they haven't been in a long time, 40, I think 1980, 43 40 years. years. Yeah, over 40 years, yeah. Yeah, forty. I think it was 80, so 43 years. And now to hit that shot, he is a legend. Uh, in Not just Furman basketball, but Furman University. And it's one that we'll remember nationally for a long time. Great kid as well. Yeah. Just a sophomore there at Furman. Marquette beats Vermont today, 78-61. Baylor over UC Santa Barbara, 74-56. Xavier holds out against Kennesaw State. Kennesaw State led the vast majority of this game, 72-67 the final. Xavier over Kennesaw State. St. Mary's advances over VCU, 63-51. Michigan State tipped things off today with a 10-point win over USC. We have three games right now in progress. With more, here's Davey Hudson. Thanks, Hut. Yeah, the one that uh, we thought we were getting some action coming back. We might have a good game. Pittsburgh is finally pulling away from Iowa State. Uh, they're up 44-30. to 30. We're about five minutes left to go in the second half on that one. Another game in action, closing just under the under eight in the second half. NC State is down to Creighton, 56-47. to 47. And then the one that everyone's going to be keeping their eye on. Maybe we have another Cinderella story with Iona currently leading UConn, 39-37 to 37 at the half. And that, that game has been crazy. I mean, a high-scoring affair, a back-and-forth uh, that came down to the end of the half where Iona has a two-point lead currently. Rick Pitino is on his way out to another job, helping to put another coach in the hot seat. And Dan Hurley, yeah. if they lose this game uh, against Iona. So doing a little bit of work on both ends, right? Get, getting out of Iona to the job that he wants and then maybe clearing some space at UConn if uh, this game does not go well. Um, still a long way to go, though, but a good one so far, and I think one that we kind of expected between these two. Yeah. Uh, Chad, did you see the story with the Monday Night Football crew? Uh, stories at Outkick. They're, they're whining about Troy Aikman flying in a private jet and not really hanging out with the crew whenever he's actually there for Monday Night Football uh, most recently. Uh, why, I did see Why would this, this uh, surprise anyone is what I'm thinking with this. Like, it, it, this would be the – this is what I would expect – um, did John Gruden hang out with a bunch of people whenever he was on the road with Monday Night Football? No, I think not get the sense I, I he did that. So was it 
I'm trying to think. Was it Gruden? Was the pre? No, it was Witten. Who all's been on Monday Night Football recently? I'm just trying to imagine yeah. who the crew would say. Like, man, the last guys we had were so much nicer than Troy Aikman because he yeah, always hung so. out with us. But Joe Buck and Aikman have it now. You know, yeah. it's just. I don't. But I'm saying, who would the who was the Monday Night Football crew before? Um, the final crew. I'm not sure. Tessator. They had Reddick. Riddick, sorry, Lewis Riddick. Yeah, Lewis, Lewis Riddick, Riddick. Booth, that's right. And who Greasy. was doing it with him? Greasy. Okay. I yeah. guess those guys also were Steve just, Levy? Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. Steve Levy took over for Tessator. So those guys are right. just nicer to hang out with. They didn't mention Joe Buck as being someone who didn't hang out with him. Joe Buck on over. Thursday Night Football, whenever Fox did the game, he flew in on Thursday. Like There was a point where, that literally, there was uh, it was nearing a kickoff time for the Tennessee Titans matchup, probably against Jacksonville. I can't remember, but that, I mean, that was that would have been the game. Jacksonville on Thursday night football. Maybe it was Pittsburgh. Cold game. Traffic nightmare in Nashville. And he's flying in a couple of hours before the game on that Thursday. And traffic so backed up, they weren't sure if he was going to make kickoff. Legitimately. He did. They had the police escort for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is no surprise to me. I don't understand why this is, uh, you know, awful announcing... And, and they're getting this legitimately. But I don't understand why, if you're on the crew, why you expect Troy Aikman to be you know, beer buddies with you on a, on a Saturday or Sunday night. Yeah, I, I'm just surprised that it's a surprise. I guess more than anything else. I don't know if people are surprised. They're clearly they're reacting. Pissed. Yeah, they're clearly reacting because I'm guessing that whoever was there before was just much more open to the, hanging out with the crew. Um, but, I mean, it's they a They had a strong of, debut, I thought, in season one for them. Oh, of they course. They carried over exactly yeah. what they did. It was so much better. Than the last couple of years on ESPN. It was so much better than Al Michaels and uh, Kirk Herbstreit, I thought, in their debut on Prime Video. Yeah. I, I thought it was fun. Yeah. So, it, I mean, the private jet, um, I think that would be a necessity, quite frankly. Herbstreit has that. Well, I mean, does he expect them to get on a Southwest flight with the whole crew? Should he, like, fly into the city where the crew's flying out <laughs> of? I, again, it's just... Will you come meet us in Connecticut, in Bristol, and we're going to go to the airport together? And then we're going to hop on the same American <laughs> Airlines flight to uh, you know Minneapolis to go to the Vikings game or wherever we're going that Monday night. I, it's just it's an odd thing to complain about. Agreed. James Franklin says that Aaron Donald has ruined college football for the position of Aaron Donald because Aaron Donald is six one, plays light, and now all the players are trying to play light, and it's not working out so well for the interior defensive line that need to be 300-plus in order to make you know the progressions necessary to be dominant on the interior defensive line against the O-line and the Big Ten. Uh, he goes, I'm a huge Darren, Aaron Donald fan. I can hear Jimmy Frank doing this right now, Chad. Yep. I'm a huge Aaron Donald fan, but Aaron Donald has hurt college football and defensive tackles, in my opinion. Every single one of these kids think they're Aaron Donald. Well, I'm, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to be more athletic. There's been one Aaron Donald in 50 years at his size to be as disruptive as he is and as strong and as quick and as explosive. The problem is everyone thinks they're the exception instead of just putting on weight and hitting the weight room. It's an interesting theory uh, with, with him. I mean, look, if you're the coach, you can tell guys what you want in your program. It's like, hey, you need to put on 25 pounds. You need to do this. Like you're, you're sort of in control of that. You don't have to just let them. No, I'm going to go lose 30 pounds to be Aaron Donald. Yeah. And the coach says, well, you're not Aaron Donald. No, I'm going to be Aaron Donald. No, you're <laughs> not. I mean, the coach has to overrule at some point. So it's on the coaches. It's on James Franklin in the end. But 
I think just the money is a factor. Like if you have a kid who's a good athlete and yeah. he's bigger, I mean, if I'm looking at the finances of the league and I'm thinking, should I be some run stuffing three four nose tackle that's never gonna make as much as a guy who can get to the passer on the interior? Or should I lose some weight, get quicker, get faster, hone those skills, and be someone who's going to make a ton more being a Jeffrey Simmons, Aaron Dunn. I know they're different sizes, but no someone who's more athletic that can get to the passer too, right? That can affect the game that way. I, I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you're a great athlete, why would you not want to play quarterback? Well, I understand that you're you going to get placed there, yes, somewhere and yes. you might have a better skill set to be a receiver, but... If you're so good of an athlete that you could do multiple things and play multiple positions, if you were just in it for the money and what's going to be the most lucrative, be a quarterback. Aaron Donald. It's like I say, play baseball. If you're six a kid. One, he's listed 6'1", 280. And that's what James Franklin say. He wants people to look at Jeffrey Simmons, who's 6'4", 305, and is, is as yeah. athletic as he is. Right. And Aaron Donald is 6'1", 280, and he's less than that, probably. Um is dominating the NFL and is getting the highest money that we've seen at the position, at least before Nick Bosa signs his new deal. Chad Dana Holgerson had a great, great quote about his buyout. He was asked by The Athletic if he was on the hot seat, you know, how he's felt, felt this offseason at Houston. Yep. The quote from, <laughs> I mean, it's the state of college football. The quote is, we've won 20 games in two years. We won bowl games in back-to-back years. I have five years on my contract with an effing impossible buyout. So there ain't no effing hot seat in my mind. There just ain't. That from Dana Holgerson. The I love buyout. when you bring in the buyout. Yeah. I have a contract with an impossible yeah, buyout. You just, you know, most coaches would sort of take the high road and just say, no, I feel a lot of support here from my athletic director and president. And you could point out the record. Hey, we won 20 games in two years. And I don't feel like I'm on the hot seat. But Dana Holgerson who's been known to chug about 23 Red Bulls a day, takes it up a notch and says, no, the buyout's impossible. So good luck firing me. You're going to pay me a lot of money with that buyout. I love it. Creighton and NC State coming down to the wire. We've got live score reactions for you next on Now Kick 360. Outkick 360, wrapping up what's been a fun week. We've got scores for you. CBS and Turner announced this is the most watched first day, first opening round on a Thursday for them in eight years. Um, 8.4 million wow. throughout the day uh, yesterday in the tournament. Some great games right now coming down to the wire. We've got live scores for you. Here's Davey Hudson. Thanks, Hutt. Yeah, Pitt, uh, they're going to walk away with the win. A uh, little under two minutes left to go in this one. They are up 56-37 over Iowa State. Uh, just not a good per- shooting performance for the Cyclones today. Another 11-6 matchup. NC State is down by 6 to Creighton, 67-61. to Right under two minutes to go in that one as well. And then we're still at the half for Iona, leading UConn 39-37. Chad, we're betting the board on all these games. And so far, so good today. Not bad. It's been a good day. We're also betting the half with You've Dockage. done well, Hutton. Good job. Hey, we, we've got yours coming up. You have Fairleigh Dickinson. Uh, under 155 and a half points. I'm riding that with you. Kentucky, Chad's high on the Wildcats. I hope he's right here. Minus four and a half 
the more Providence. you say that Chad is high on the Wildcats, the less high I am on the Wildcats. <laughs> no one right now feels it's very high. It's going into my skull the more the I hear it, the less high I am on them. Tonight, Drake Moneyline, Grand Canyon and Gonzaga under 155.5. Memphis minus 1.5 against FAU, a team that won 31 games. Kansas State to win by 11 to 15 points. I love that bet. And Indiana minus four and a half, followed by Arizona State's money line in their matchup later against TCU. We're all, we also got games for tomorrow uh, that we have. Uh, we're also going to be we're going to bet every game. By the way, in this bracket, we're starting with San Diego State and Furman, and we're taking the under 137. And Duke minus three and a half. We're backing Duke in this on our picks for Outkick.com/bet against Tennessee. Give us the money line against Arkansas and the money line for Auburn. We're backing the two SEC matchups against the one seeds, Kansas and Houston. Missouri and Princeton, plus six and a half. This is going to be a tight game. Texas and Penn State, take the over. UCLA and Northwestern tomorrow night, minus seven and a half. And give us Bama minus the points. Bama's the best team. They have the best player. They have a lot of distractions, and guess what? It just doesn't matter. Minus eight and a half against the Maryland Terrapins. I probably had the hardest time in that Missouri-Princeton game yeah. deciding what to do on that pick. And um, I, I went with that because I do think it's going to be close. But two teams that shoot a lot of threes, it's going to be it's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a fun weekend regardless. And like you said, most watched first day of the tournament in eight years. Not bad. It's one of those, it feels like almost every year, It's the next year's the most watched, yeah. that it goes up. But hearing most watched in eight years, really good. On Monday, I think we're talking about Furman and Memphis for what they do uh, this weekend. Which team would you go with? I think we're talking about multiple number one seeds no longer being in the tournament. Bama's still there. Bama's still there. But we're still talking about them. Houston is not. Okay. And one other will go down this weekend. Hopefully Kansas, based on our bets. I think that's a, that's a smart bet. That's a smart bet. Either way, we're recapping all the action. We'll have the Sweet 16 set. Outkick 360, we start at 3 o'clock Eastern, Monday, right here on the Outkick Network.